Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We're bringing you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I've got a good one for you today. You know, I just love talking all things stepmom with a fellow stepmom. Nothing beats talking to someone who gets it. Now, just a little disclaimer, you may or may not hear some background noise in this intro. I don't know how good my mic is. I don't know what it's going to pick up. But my stepson is in the next room playing Xbox or Nintendo or whatever it is. And anyone with a teen who is a gamer knows that sometimes it gets loud. And honestly, I'm just too lazy to get up and tell him to be quiet for a couple minutes. So this is what we're dealing with. All right. So let's talk about this week's conversation. This episode is with Cameron Normand. Cameron is, well, she's pretty amazing. She started serving stepmoms soon after she married her Prince Charming, who came with four stepkids, one stepchild with special needs. And when she found that the resources were scarce, as most of us do, she started her blog, This Custom Life, and the blended family formula was born. So years later, she has helped thousands of stepmoms through her coaching business and now is the host of the podcast, The Stepmom Diaries, the CEO of Step Family Magazine, and The Stepmom Summit. In this one, we dive into parenting teenagers, her journey with infertility, when to close the door on fertility treatments. We both talk about our experiences with this, talk about mistakes stepmoms make when your stepkids choose not to have a relationship with you, parental alienation, Disney parenting. It's just a whole lot of stepmom banter. So if this episode resonates, I'd be forever grateful if you give it a share on social or head to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. This helps spread the word about the show and open up the conversation about step parenting and blended families in our society so that other stepmoms don't feel the way that both Cameron and I felt when we first became stepmoms. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's dive in. Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. I know. I'm glad we could make this work because I just feel like there's nothing like talking to another stepmom in the space, right? Like you don't get it unless you're a stepmom. No, that's so true. In fact, I was talking to a biological mom a couple of months ago and telling her about some of the work I do. And she was like, well, I mean, I don't know. Being a stepmom is different. It's not like you have a secret handshake or something. And I was like, "Mm, kind of, kind of we do. Yeah, it's definitely like this whole other range of emotions that you didn't know 
you would experience. And, you know, I talk a lot about personal growth and just our core wounds and all of that kind of stuff. And truly you become a stepmom and all the things that you thought you dealt with, like the insecurities and all that, that are from your past. They're like, Oh, Hey, (laughs) they're right there. Oh, a hundred percent. Always tell people, you know, you think, you know what you're getting into when you marry somebody with kids, Mm -hmm. but you never really know what you're getting into until you're like knee deep. Yep. Knee deep for sure. Now, before we dive in to all the things, would love to just kind of get a little background on you. Just give us your story. Give us the lowdown. Yeah. So I actually wasn't sure that I was going to get married. I had always wanted to find my, I always hate to use the term Prince Charming, but I use it anyway, my one person, you know, and I spent many years kind of building up a successful career in politics in Washington, DC. I'm a lawyer by background and have worked as a lobbyist for a number of years. And, you know, I did a lot of travel with friends, was involved in a lot of stuff around the city. And then sort of out of nowhere, met my husband when I was 40. And we got married pretty quickly, got engaged after two months. And he came with four kids, which was just a total, like, I thought I knew what to do. I'm a stepchild and have had a stepmom since I was eight. And so I figured, you know, I got this and got into it and realized that, no, I do not have this at all. And I think probably a little bit like how you got into this, you know, I'm type A and I was like, all right, where's the handbook? Let me Google and find the instruction manual for how to do this and discovered that there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. So I kind of came up with my own stuff and through that journey realized that probably a lot of other stepmoms need what it is that you and I kind of offer and need somebody that knows what they've gone through and can give them the resources. So that's sort of how I got into all this. Okay. So can we talk about two months and four kids? I know, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Like what was that whole experience? Like how old are the kids? (laughs) So at the time they were eight, nine, 11 and 14. And how long have you guys been together? So we've been together now for about six and a half years. Got it. So you were in the trenches. Yeah. And I jumped in, I didn't jump into the deep end. I jumped into like the deep end of like a mud pit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had no idea. And, you know, the kids liked me. It seemed like it was all great. And I think for the most part, you know, the kids do think I'm a decent human being, you know, but yeah, it was all very fast, largely driven by age, really. I mean, we knew pretty much immediately, like on our second date, we kind of, both of us sort of felt like this is it. This is the person I've been waiting for. And we wanted to have kids. And I know he had four, like, yes, we were crazy thinking about bringing another one into the mix, but that kind of drove the timeline of getting married. You know, about a year after we met, we got married thinking that we would try to have kids immediately. That did not work out. And we have been on this journey with the four kids that we have ever since. Mm -hmm. That's very similar to Darren and I, because he was 39 when we first started dating, like turning 40 in a couple months. And I was 26 and he had three kids Mm -hmm. and I was kind of like, okay, we're going to do this. We were kind of a done deal. I wanted to be with him. And I said to him, I said, you know, you've done things though, that I want to do in life. And before we got together. He didn't think he'd ever get married again. He didn't think that he was ever going to have kids, you know, all of that. And we decided we were going to have one or two Mm -hmm. and we, you know, just rushed it because, you know, my youngest stepson was five at the time, but it was like, by the time we get, have kids, if we, 
you know, make that all happen, get married. And it's like, if you know, you know, right. And if you make the wrong choice, you'd figure it out pretty quickly too. You can undo it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we felt. My mindset was kind of like, you know, I've waited 40 years to find this person and here he is, you know, and we want to do these things. And he was interested in having more kids too, which I was like, are you sure? That's like five kids for you. That's kind of a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I would like to have a child, but if you don't want to, we can talk about that. He was like, no, I'm all in. I'm all in. That's so good. Now, did you guys do fertility treatment and that kind of stuff? We did. Again, like jumping into the mud pit with both feet right away. We started like as soon as we got back from the honeymoon Mm -hmm. and I did five rounds in a year. Of what? Of IVF. Okay. And it was an insane journey of you know, shots and hormones and all of the things. And at the end of the day, we could have continued, but the chances were so low that it was going to actually happen. And we had our hands very full Mm -hmm. with the four kids. And we just kind of said, you know what, my being a parent is going to look different than I thought it was going to. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. How did you process that and go, you know, get to that point? Because I know there's so many stepmoms who, you know, have that grief and the resentment and, you know, all of those emotions that come with the failed fertility. Cause you know, we were able to have Reese, our daughter, but when we tried again, I did several rounds of IUI mm-hmm. and we were two weeks or a week before our first round of IVF. And my gut was like, I think you're done. Yeah. I can't do the roller coaster anymore. I mean, I feel like you kind of know when it's time to pull the plug on that, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think that at first I did what all good Southern girls do, which is stuff it real deep into a jar and screw that lid on real tight and put it away and not deal with it. We're very good in the South about sweeping things under the rug and not Mm -hmm. dealing with it right away. And so like we didn't have a discussion that actually sort of closed the door on it for a while after the last meeting that we had with our doctor. And I think both of us digested it and almost by not dealing with it, dealt with it. You know what I mean? And so it was maybe like two or three months after the appointment, we kind of both were like, I guess we should talk about this. (laughs) And we did. And I think both of us had kind of reached the conclusion, but had been hesitant to bring it up with the other, Yeah. you know, for fear of what the reaction would be. But we'd kind of both reached the same conclusion that, you know, this journey could go on for several years more and maybe... I could make something happen by the time I was 45. But at the end of the day, you know, what impact would that have on the family that we have right now and on my health? And I don't know, we prayed a lot about it. And ultimately I kind of felt like this is the family I've been given. This is the family I've chosen. And there are ways that I can contribute and be a parent to these kids, even though they're not my biological children, you know? Mm-hmm. And even though it's a separate role, you know? Yeah. And it almost gets to the point where when you're in the fertility treatment and going through and time's going on that you're like, I really wanted this like three years ago, four years ago. And then are you fighting for something that you wanted so bad back then, but like things are changing now? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. That's what it was like for me. It is. It's hard because it's like you decide at the beginning to do it. And then you kind of have to reevaluate, like, are you going on just for going on sake? Are you going on because this is something that you have to have? Yeah. I remember when I was sharing my journey with the infertility in my head, I was like, I'm going to share this. I'm going to be open and vulnerable and all the things with the full anticipation that we were going to have this like happily ever after at the end and share that too. Like that was the plan, right? You know, there was going to be that. Yeah. I think you're a little bit like I am like, 
we're type A and we're like, of course, if I decide to do this, I'll just make it happen. Mm -hmm. Your body doesn't always work that way. Yeah, no, for sure. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, was there a reason for that? Life has been so overwhelming since then. We've had so much going on. And I say to Darren sometimes, I'm like, I wonder if that was just a blessing or the universe was like, you cannot handle another baby. Like that will be what, you know, splits you guys up or puts you over the edge or, you know, you can't handle that or what it would do to the dynamic. Like there's part of me that sometimes thinks that way, whether it's like realistic or not. But I do think just kind of like having that faith that things work out the way they're supposed to helps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that you can take this and look at it that way, or you can take it and look at it in a more negative light. And I think that certainly looking at it in a more positive manner like that and kind of the way that Craig and I did of like, well, you know, this is our family and my role is going to be this role. You know, I think that helps make it easier to deal with. And by the way, this is actually the first time I've ever talked about it. Sorry, I kind of blindsided (laughs) you too. (laughs) It's totally fine. I've been thinking about like, I want to talk about it on my podcast and I want to write about it and I just haven't yet. I don't know. I've been trying to figure out sort of the way to talk about it. So this is actually really great to have the conversation. Speaking of your role with your stepkids, what does that role look like? And how has that changed over the years? Because, you know, teenagers. Uh, Yes. I mean, it does change, right? And I think I have found it changes from kid to kid. And it's interesting because, you know, I do all of this stepmom coaching and running events for stepmoms and all of that. And I always tell them, like, just know that I struggle with the same things you struggle with, right? Like I have the same stuff going on and we have two of the kids that we don't currently have a relationship with. Okay. And there's a lot of dynamic there with the kids and their mom. And we hope that it will change. And we have done everything from our side to turn those relationships into a more positive place. And some of that work is still ongoing with my husband and his kids, but we have a great relationship with two of them. And one of them is a high school senior and we're going through the whole, you know, looking at colleges and all of that stuff. And she and I are very close and we do lots of travel together and stuff. And so, you know, I've found with four of them, I think that the relationship, even from the beginning, has always been really different with each one of them. You know, I always tried to do things individually with each of them to kind of build that bond in part because we kind of moved so quickly in getting married and everything. But I mean, they're all amazing kids in their own right. You know, I think some of the dynamics overcame, you know, where they are as teenagers, right? And hopefully that'll change. I always remind myself that kids are kids for only 18 years and they're adults for a whole lot longer than that. And you have to gut it out for the teenage years and kind of get through that and hope that when their brains fully develop, you know, in their mid twenties, that if there's a tough dynamic, that it will shift and you have to sort of handle things from a positive and loving place and hope that when they're adults, they can kind of examine their emotions and figure things out, you know, Mm -hmm. play the long game. Yeah. Yeah. But it changes all the time. And it's funny, a woman in my group put a post up this week about her stepdaughter's homecoming. She was on the homecoming court and they recognized the parents and the daughter had put the parents' names in and hadn't put her name in. And she had been part of like going dress shopping and doing all this stuff with the daughter and was just so hurt by it. And I said to her, you know, I get it. That's really hurtful. But if you have a good relationship with her, you have to trust in that. There may be some dynamic that you're not even thinking of that, you know, maybe she was afraid to hurt her mom's feelings, you know, 
but trust in the relationship that you have with the child, you know, and the rest will work itself out. Yeah, for sure. But it can be tough seasons. It is tough, especially in those moments of recognition too, right? Like the glory parenting moments. I feel like that's where the stepmoms kind of get the backseat. Yes. You know, my stepdaughter, and I don't know if I've even said this before, she always does like a happy birthday to everyone on her Instagram stories. So her mom or her dad or happy mother's day and like all of that birthdays and never does for me ever. Same, same. Yeah. She always calls me. She's always the one who gets me a gift, Yep, but she doesn't do that. And I actually had her on the podcast a few weeks ago and she was talking about how, you know, she really feels like she doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and she wants to really try to make sure that everyone's okay. Totally. On the flip side, I'm like, well, it kind of hurts my feelings when she doesn't do that. But then you have to think about, right? You have to just be happy that they're not putting themselves in a situation where they're uncomfortable or where they're going to get backlash from the other parent and really trust in that relationship. And it's interesting now hearing her talk as an adult. Yeah. They're setting their own boundaries. Yeah. And hearing her talk as an adult, because she's in her second year university, what she remembers and how she perceives things, because yeah, you're right. Like, what do you want them to remember when they look back on their childhood? Like, that's the big thing I'm always talking to stepmoms about. Like, what do you want your stepkids to remember about you and how you made them feel and how you showed up and how you dealt with all of the hard stuff? Exactly. And I think we have to remember the kids' ages too, because, you know, when they're teenagers, especially, but even in the tween, you know, preteen years, they are all about being self-absorbed and they are not thinking about you and how you are going to interpret something they say or do. And P.S. that's normal for where they are in life, right? Like we were all self-absorbed at that age. I know I was, I was nasty. (laughs) I was nasty. Yeah. Like they'll come out of it and, and kind of develop that self-awareness and awareness of others' feelings and thoughts and stuff, but they're not there right now. And that's okay. And I think for stepmoms, it can be hard to put your hurt aside to think about, you know, their experience and what they're going through because it's hard for them too. Yeah. And especially if you're insecure about your role or insecure about, you know, fitting in or feeling like an outsider, like you take that extra personally and you almost have to check yourself on. I'm like, okay, like, is this as big of a deal as I'm making it? Yep. Totally. I mean, is it really that they're treating you like an outsider or are you maybe a little sensitive about it, which is also normal. But. Yeah. Or are you actually an outsider? Like, are you new? Because that's the thing too, right? Like stepmoms will say, I feel like an outsider and they're one year into their relationship or two, three. Well, you're new. You are. Yeah. You are. You are new. So you have a choice. Do you find a way to build these relationships so it happens naturally? And, you know, you have that connection, which takes time. Or do you feel like an outsider and then make yourself even more of an outsider because you don't get involved because you feel like you're not invited when you are invited? They just don't really know what to do, right? Yeah, it becomes a vicious cycle. Totally. And, you know, Patricia Papernell talks about kind of the stuck insider, stuck outsider perspective where the biological or the primary parent is the stuck insider and you're always going to be the stuck outsider. And so it's figuring out, but I don't know. I mean, I've found over the years, one of the things I've done to help me feel less like an outsider is to spend that one-on-one time with the kids, but also to really encourage them to have one-on-one time with my husband, with their dad, because then that kind of helps them see that like, I'm not trying to take that away. I'm not trying to like horn in on their relationship. They still get their dad, you know, and that, you know, I think can be really helpful. 
Yeah, no, for sure. That one-on-one time really is so key. In doing that, you almost like create this relationship outside of their parents. And I think a lot of stepmoms come in and they're trying to be like the mom or they want to be the mom of the house, which you totally are in a lot of situations. But it's like almost this comparison, right? And then when you're in this comparison loop with the mom, you feel like you're never going to measure up because you probably will never measure up, right? Like the mom is the mom. Yeah, exactly. And you have to have that different relationship. You have to kind of carve out what that's going to look like. And I've said that to the kids each individually, like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to take anybody's place. And, you know, I am a parent in terms of like, you have three parents right now, but I'm not your mom and I'm not your dad. And guess what? You and I get to decide what our relationship looks like. We get to decide what we want that to be. And that means that you have some say in it too. And I think they appreciate that. Yeah. They want to feel like they have some control. Yeah. Especially in this teenage years. Right. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. My old therapist's name was Bonnie. Well, before Bonnie was Bruce, I saw him in the months before I married Darren. And then I went to Bonnie, and Bonnie and I just clicked. It was a safe spot. I felt supported, yet challenged. She helped me deal with some past trauma and stay in problem-solving mode when it came to dealing with stressors in my life, mainly things that were coming up as a result of our step-family dynamic. But Bonnie retired. She is no longer a therapist. And I haven't gone to anyone since Bonnie because the thought of starting over with another therapist or the risk of starting with someone and it not clicking and then not being able to easily switch to a new therapist if it wasn't a fit seemed like a whole other stress. Finding a good therapist is like dating. Sometimes it takes a few, but I really feel like I need to go back to therapy. I freaking love therapy. I want to get back in a problem solving mode. Not that I'm not already in it, but having those weekly tune-ups and a safe space to lay it all out and get things off my chest is the best. I wanna feel focused on what matters most in life and I wanna feel confident in my ability to tackle any of life's problems. And I wanna have someone to support me in dealing with my triggers and my old wounds that show up and affect my ability to tackle the stressors in my life. Therapy also really helps with my anxiety. I always leave sessions feeling lighter. What I'm saying is that I'm back on the therapy train and I'm using BetterHelp. It is convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you're able to switch therapists anytime if it's not a fit. The other big thing for me is the online calls. With the schedule right now, I don't really have time to be driving to an appointment and sitting in a waiting room. I just wanna hop on the call, do my thing, get my therapy, take a load off and get back to -to day-to-day life. If you're thinking about therapy or are ready for a change, I highly recommend BetterHelp. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash stepmom today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash stepmom for 10% off your first month. I am so excited to share this product with you and welcome Element as the latest sponsor of the podcast. I started using Element about a year ago now and it has become a staple in my daily routine. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mixed with everything you need and nothing that you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. 
Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. It contains a science-based electrolyte ratio with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is for everyone. It is used by many Olympic athletes, dozens of professional teams and players in the NBA, NHL, NFL, and those focused on everyday health like moms and exercise enthusiasts, and even those who want a dynamite no sugar margarita using Element's citrus salt. Yes, I said margarita, and I'm talking about myself. My favorite flavor is the watermelon, raspberry is a close second, and of course I love the citrus when I'm making my marks. You can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase, and it contains a package of every flavor so you can try them all. DrinkElement.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get this gift with purchase, and you won't find this offer publicly. DrinkElement.com forward slash kickassstepmom. That's L-M-N-T. DrinkLMNT.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash kickassstepmom. Element offers no questions asked, refunds on all orders, and you don't even have to send it back. Day in and day out, Element has literally changed the way I feel, and I cannot wait for you to try it. DrinkElement.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with purchase. When it comes to discipline, what type of role do you play in that? Like what's your parenting role like? Yeah, that's changed over time too. I would also put that in the category of like biggest mistakes I made (laughs) when I started out because I didn't have that manual. Yeah. So when we started, and I think this is probably pretty common Craig really wanted a parenting partner. He wanted somebody to be by his side, you know, doing house rules and curfews and all that kind of stuff. And I was really excited about being a parent. So I was all in. So we moved in together like right before the wedding, but we really merged households when we got back from the honeymoon. And, you know, we had talked and thought, well, you know, we should have some house rules, you know, school years starting up and we should have like bedtimes and like leave your cell phones downstairs don't take them to your bedrooms, like that kind of stuff. So we kind of came up with things that we thought, you know, were reasonable. And we ate dinner as a family pretty much every night. So we were like, well, let's have like a family meeting after, you know, I'm using my air quotes right now to talk about the rules. And Craig said, well, you know, I really want the kids to see that you're part of the family now. So I think it might be good if you presented the rules. And I was like, okay, I'm all in. So that did not go over well. (laughs) They were like, who the hell are you? to be telling me that I have to leave my cell phone downstairs or keep my door open or any of this other ridiculousness that is not happening. And that was when I kind of realized like, okay, this doesn't work. (laughs) So what does? And so I started taking a look at like what my role in discipline should be and where we kind of landed. And I think that this is substantiated by a lot of the experts, but I didn't know it at the time, is that the primary parent needs to be the primary disciplinarian. And so I kind of pulled back, I think for the first six months to a year of our marriage, I was helping him discipline. And I was, you know, somebody would come home late. I'd be like, you can't come home late. You know, and I realized it didn't work. And so Craig and I had to have a conversation where I said, look, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. You have to be the one disciplining. And he, of course, felt like 
but you're leaving me in the dust here. Like, I don't want to be the bad cop all the time. Like that sucks, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I think it probably does suck, but you're going to have to be. And so we kind of developed this system where if a punishment needed to be laid down or consequences needed to be enforced, he would do that. And then I would come in after the fact, like he would say you're grounded or whatever to one of the kids. And then I would go up to the kid's room afterwards and say, Hey, I know that was a tough conversation. Do you want to talk about any of it? You know, here's where I think your dad is coming from. And I'd love to know where you're coming. And I would just sort of have the soft conversation, make them feel like they're being heard, Mm -hmm. make them feel somebody wants to hear their point of view and just kind of come at it a little softer. And that has worked pretty well in the last few years. And you know, I think once you have a really strong bond with your stepkids, it's okay to engage in disciplining, but you just have to be really careful. So like my stepdaughter, that's a senior, she and I do have a really solid bond and she will accept discipline from me if I need to engage in it. But I try when I have to engage in it to again, be kind of soft about it and really kind of let Craig be the bad guy, which he hates, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's the dynamic that has worked for us. Yeah, I'm pretty aligned with that. I always like to say, especially with the teenagers now, I'll say, you know, I've asked you to kind of tackle this pretty nicely, you know, about eight times now. Like say we're talking about like a room that is just, I normally let the rooms go, but then when it gets pretty next level, I'm like, I think you might want to like tackle that room and I'll say it like that. So I said to my stepson the one time I said, so like I've asked you nicely, I'd say, probably about eight times now over the last few weeks, at what point can I get really pissed off? (laughs) When do you think that would be reasonable? That's a good way to put it. And he's like, I think if I don't do it by tomorrow, you can be really pissed off. I'm like, because I'm going to be pissed. And he's like, totally, if it's not done by tomorrow, you can be pissed. I'm like, got it, deal. And it was done. I love that because you're giving him some control over it. (laughs) Yeah. Or the other one I'll say, my one stepson was in big crap one night. And you're right. I do come in as the softer kind of mediator between him and his dad. And I said, okay, I'm kind of out of my league here in like the parenting department. I've never had to deal with this before. So I'm just wondering if you were a parent right now, how would you be reacting to this? Cause this is new to us. Like, what would your response be? Oh, that's good. And he goes, oh, I would be losing my shit. <laughs> I would be losing my shit is what he said to me. I said, okay, so we're all on the same page. So. I love that. Oh, it was so funny, but it definitely works. Yeah, it does. Now I'd love to talk about losing yourself as a stepmom, because I think as women, we lose ourselves in motherhood and stepmotherhood and all the things. Why do you think so many stepmoms feel that way? Oh, I think it's so common. I mean, at least for me, and I think for a lot of the stepmoms that I talk to, being a stepmom can be a pressure cooker. We put so much pressure on ourselves. And some of it's the family dynamic, like we're coming in as the non-primary family, I guess I should say non-first family, maybe your second family, maybe your third family, who knows. But you know, you're coming into this role and you're trying to be the best everything. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be the best wife. You're trying to be the best set mom. You know, in a lot of instances, maybe mom kind of sucks and you're trying to be the things that mom isn't for the kids. And all of that just creates an unreasonable amount of pressure for anyone to live under. And I think you can really 
lose yourself in trying to attain this standard that doesn't exist. And I know I did that at the beginning as I kind of jumped into this parenting and step parenting role and, you know, thought that I had to be this co-parent person with Craig. I mean, I took everything on. I mean, I felt like I had to attend every parent meeting, go to every sporting event, you know, make sure that if the kids were with us for their birthday, that they had the perfect birthday party and, you know, was trying to sort of check all the boxes, but guess what? You don't have to be that. What you have to be is you and you have to be taking care of yourself. And I think it's so easy to get lost in all that and to sort of lose perspective of who you were before you became a stepmom. And for me getting married at a little bit of a, I don't want to say older, just a little bit of a later age, I had a pretty strong sense of self and I had a pretty strong friend group and people that I did stuff with and career and all that. And I don't know, it was probably six months or a year into it. I was like, I just feel like I've lost all this. I mean, I still have the career, but you know, I'm so focused on all this other stuff and I had to kind of recalibrate. And I think that's pretty common for stepmoms. It's so easy to lose yourself in the role and it's easy for moms too. But I think for stepmoms, and you've got a unique perspective on this being a mom and a stepmom, you know, I think the stepmom role really does lend itself towards losing yourself a little bit more because there is all that pressure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I was so much stricter with my stepkids when they were younger than I am Reese now. Oh, that's interesting. Way stricter. The things that I cared about, like I don't care about, my sister will say to me now, she's like, you don't care about much, like when it comes to like the parenting stuff, right? But before, like everything was perfect. I would never go to bed with a messy kitchen and I was always like caught up on the laundry and I was commuting an hour and a half to work, but still had dinner in the crock pot in the morning, mm -hmm. like just showing everyone that I was like killing it in the stepmom game and really thought that like having perfectly behaved children and them having clean rooms and all the things was a reflection on me, right? Yeah. That that was like a measure. Yeah. That was like the measure. And I don't know if I just got to the point where I was trying so hard to be perfect. that I was like, screw all of this. And now I'm like, no one's rooms clean. Like we're late for school. <laughs> my, my daughter wears the same sweatpants every day. Like there's just so much that I just don't care about. They taught me so much about parenting, right? And like about what's really important. And, you know, do they feel loved? Do they feel safe? Do they feel secure? 100%. You know, how do they feel when they walk in the door? Like I'm all about the vibe of your home. And yeah, it's really interesting because I know there's so many stepmoms who are like, my kid will never do that. And you know, they're more lenient with their stepkids than they are their own kids. And, yeah. and I thought that's how I was going to be. And I think I got a like reality check of what's really important. Yeah, I totally agree. I look at how I approach the kids now versus when I first became a stepmom. And it's so different. And I've said this to my stepdaughter before. I'm like, you know, you get that like, we're all just winging it, right? Like we're all just doing the best we can. Like your mom's doing the best she can. Your dad's doing the best he can. I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. None of us know what we're doing. I mean, we know what we're doing in that, like, we can functionally get you to school and, you know, do the things, but like, we're all just trying to make it. And we know you are too, right? Mm -hmm. It's giving ourselves a little bit of grace, you know, and that's what you've done with your daughters. Mm -hmm. Like you've given yourself a little grace to like relax. Yeah, it'll be fine. I have this maybe unrealistic faith <laughs> that everything will work itself out no matter what. 
And sometimes it drives my husband nuts because I'm like, no, it's fine. Everything will work itself out. He's like, no, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I have had that same conversation. (laughs) Something will happen. Something will flare up. And I'm like, we'll work it out. He's like, will we? Like, yeah, we will. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Or we won't care. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like a lot of the stressors you had at the very beginning of your step family journey are similar to now? You know, the stuff you deal with at the beginning is basically the stuff you continue to deal with. Yes and no. So I think some of the external stressors are the same Mm -hmm. in different forms. Like we have the same challenges with my husband's ex-wife in that dynamic as we had at the beginning. Some of it's gotten worse, some of it's gotten better, but essentially it's all still there. You know, the challenges with a couple of the kids have gotten more amplified, but it's still sort of the same base challenges. I think it's some of the internal stuff that has changed and evolved as we were talking about with the, you know, how the role changes you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think some of that has changed. The external stuff, not as much. I mean, there are things like, we're used to living with each other now. So like the things that annoyed me at the beginning don't annoy me anymore. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff evolves. Oh, really? How do you get to that point? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not there. (laughs) But you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think it's more of the external stuff has not changed as much. But you know, the pressure that I put on myself and how I approach things has changed a little bit, I think for the better, for the most part. Yeah, I totally agree. But even when it does sneak in, your rebound rate is is quicker, right? It's much quicker. Mm-hmm. You still get knocked on your ass. You still feel like you've been punched in the gut every now and then. Like it happens, life happens. But I do think, you know, if you're prepared to do the work, which obviously you've done, you're supporting stepmoms and doing the same, and your ability to deal with those extra stressors changes totally drastically. And that's why I'm always encouraging stepmoms. I'm like, you have to do the work. You have to dive into yourself. You have to do the work. You really, really do. Cause they're not going to change. Yes. And it's hard work, right? Like the conversations are hard and it's conversations that you have to have internally, but also hard conversations with your spouse. I mean, Craig and I've had some hard conversations about my role and my expectations and all the things that, you know, I talk about, but you have to be able to have those hard conversations and it can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear, like when Darren and I have these tough conversations, especially at the beginnings, we often just had a fight, like, you know, they would become an argument. hundred percent. So I never want, you know, stepmoms to listen to us. It's like, Oh, it's about having tough conversations and diving into like all this stuff. And it seems so, you know, easy. We're just kind of like skimming over. It's like, no, this is like freaking hard. Like we got in a blowout fight. Right? No, it's hard. (laughs) Absolutely. Not on the same page, you know, still pissed off about it now, like that kind of stuff. Right. But I just don't ever want people to think it's just easy because it's not. Yeah. And if you have a hard conversation, it doesn't go the way you want. It doesn't mean that that's the end of it. You know what I mean? It may be something that you have to keep having hard conversations about, which sucks, Mm -hmm. but you know, people aren't always going to react how you want. The conversation's not always going to go how you go. You know, you may not be explaining yourself as well as you should. I mean, there are just lots of factors and things can escalate before you know it. And yeah, like you said, you know, you could end up in some blowout fight that you sort of didn't expect when you're like, I'm going to have this conversation and tell him how I feel and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've always made the mistake of trying to have the tough conversations at the wrong time. So that was like my big lesson. It's like, you know, when my husband's like leaving for work in the morning and just kind of trying to get out the door and thinking about work and all the (laughs) things. And I'm like, hey, so do you know what the kids are doing? They're really pissing me off, right? (laughs) Not good. (laughs) Not a good approach. Not the right time. Yeah. (laughs) Not the right time. Well, anyway, this has been so good. 
Where can everyone find you? Because I know you've got a lot of exciting things going on. Tell us the details. Yeah. So thiscustomlife.com is my website. And then I'm on Instagram at this underscore custom underscore life. But you can find me, Cameron, at This Custom Life. You can search. And Facebook, same thing. And then I'm also co-CEO with Beth McDonough, who you know well, of the Step Family Magazine. And we're on social and website, stepfamilymagazine.com and all that good stuff. So yeah, seek me out, find me and lots of resources for folks. Very exciting. Well, thank you so much for taking time today. We're going to have to do this again. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review. It would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode, though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews, and coaching sessions, and live Q&As, and just exclusive next-level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week, and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership, and I'll see you in there.